Thank you for listening to this podcast from TheUnheardNerd.com. If you like what you hear, please consider liking, sharing, reviewing, and subscribing on iTunes, Stitcher, or your podcast feed of choice, and help us to keep creating and improving our content. Thank you. Welcome to Jump the Shark, the pop culture podcast from TheUnheardNerd.com where we're more nervous than a Russian spy in Britain about your feedback each time we do a show. That's not strictly true. All the feedback's been good because we don't read the bad stuff. Hi, John. <laughs> Hi, Will. How you doing? I'm good, thanks. You? Yeah, I'm all right. Yeah, I'm quite I'm quite buoyed. Yeah, last time I was a little bit fucked off because we'd lost the show. Um, yeah. This time I'm quite, I'm quite happy because we've had some pretty good feedback about our show. And people are actually asking, when are you going to record the next one? That's never happened before. Sorry, what? That's <laughs> strange. Um, yeah, and um, and we now have a patron saint of of uh, Jump the Shark. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Do, do tell. Yep, Jeffy Jeff. He's officially <laughs> officially levelled up. He's officially patron saint of this show. So um, all hail Jeffy Jeff. Um, all future episodes of Jump the Shark are going to be dedicated to Jeffy Jeff, as they always are anyway. Unless someone decides to support us with cash, then we'll swap to them. <laughs> <laughs> the great thing is, most of our listeners don't know who Jeffy Jeff is because they didn't listen to no. our old podcast. But um, <laughs> I, I quite like the mystery of that. <laughs> I'm happy to go with it. But uh, I'm sure I, we'll be sticking tweets from him once this one comes out. <laughs> He'll be over the moon. Love Jeffy Jeff. He's he's just like the most positive thing that ever happened to our podcast. Really, I mean, genuinely, I mean that. Jeffy Jeff's amazing. He gives us all the support. So um, yeah, love you, Jeff. Love you, Jeff. Love your work. Love everything you do. Um, moving on, right, show. I don't know whether to start with feedback or not feedback. I mean, we've not really had a lot of feedback. There's a little bit of a squabble going on uh, oh, no. uh, between um, our good friends, uh, Ben, who, um, to prove that he listened to the show, episode three, today, on the day we're recording episode four, <laughs> he reminded me that the um, the lead singer of um, Filter, the band who added the, the song to the f- soundtrack for Spawn that we discussed oh, yes, in the last show, yes. um, also I was listening to the Crow, the Crow 2 soundtrack. Um, what, was that? what was the name of that City one? City of Angels. City of Angels. I was listening to that and they're on there too. Um, and, uh, and Ben reminded me that the uh, singer's name is actually Richard Patrick and he used to be Nine Inch Nails touring guitarist as well for the Pretty Hate Machine tour. Um, so there's that. He's he's the brother of Robert Patrick, who's the T-1000 in Terminator 2. Um, long slog we got there. And and he was saying that he needs a shout-out. So um, that's kind of a shout-out, Ben. But then Craig, who we gave a massive shout-out to last time, has, has told Ben it's not really worthy of a mention, though, is it? Um, he's referring to the fact that Ben and I used to live together. <laughs> <laughs> This is this is how close knit our, our listenership is at the moment. Hoping to expand that a little bit. He says it's not really worthy of a mention, though, is it? However, ironically, your apparent desperation for one possibly is. Um, so a little bit of squabbling, um, oh, but dear. other than that, um, a couple of four out of ten reviews. <laughs> <laughs> four, four out of ten. <laughs> and um, and, and um, some fist bumps as well. So yeah, all good, all good. So, um, John, that's right. I, 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 mean, I, I had a comment on one of my YouTube videos, which is rather bizarre. Oh yeah, are you actually going to use the word? Uh, we'll find we'll a way to get around it. <laughs> you, am I going to need to get the bleep machine out? <laughs> um, I don't think so. So those of you, well, probably no one will know. Uh, 
I went through the CD-ROM version of Waterworld, the PC-DOS video game, and extracted all the live-action cutscenes, which were of interest to me because they were filmed using um, props and actors from the original Waterworld film that was starring Kevin Costner. Uh, if you want more detail about this, there's a massive three-part article on the website, which I loved writing and updating, oh, what, a year or so ago now? Blimey. Um, and it gets it gets read quite often actually does it it does yeah the stats show people read it cool cool anyway every so often i've uh as a google user we've all probably got youtube accounts i've got a few videos on mine um but i uploaded all these cutscenes into one 20 minute video stuck on youtube um it got the attention of the uh the director who, who actually put those live action videos together and that's how I got to interview with him beside the point I got a comment the other day um, there's no the only um, the only the only grammar is a capital N at the beginning of the sentence there's no full stop there's no comments okay educated um, response I can tell yeah <laughs> yes um, the first word is uh, uh, is a racist slur that begins with N and ends in us. I think I'll say that much. Mm-hmm. So, um, but the rest of the says, says such fake accents. Hey, still looks like an airplane hangar. Learn architecture. <laughs> okay, valid point, John. And what <laughs> what I want to know is what are you going to do about that? Um, nothing. I'm just going to tweet that out to the world and go look at this strange YouTube comment. Then what's that's not new for YouTube, really. <laughs> I, th- I think the best comments are ones that are so vague you don't really know whether it's an insult or not. <laughs> That's my favourite kind. <laughs> I um, I remember another one I had. I uploaded, um, I can't remember what it was now. I can't. I'm always trawling through my computer for the details. I went saw I saw Pearl Jam at Reading. I think it's oh oh uh, early two thousands. Mm. Um, and this was the, back in the day when internet streaming was watching a video the size of a postage stamp on your screen. Mm-hmm. Um, but I managed to download a program. And rip out from the stream their whole performance, which wasn't available anywhere apart from on the stream. And last year, sometime, I uploaded that onto YouTube and I put into the description: "Here is the entire concert, not available anywhere else. Sorry for the quality. It's only something like 400 by 200 pixels. It really is a small video." Mm. And I got a comment back that just said, "Potato quality." <laughs> <laughs> it's like. Mm. I know it's poor quality. I said so in the description, but thank you for verifying that. Potato quality. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> I mean, that could be a good thing because potatoes are generally pretty good, right? Oh, yeah, we all love potatoes. I mean, chips, mashed potato, waffles. <laughs> I mean, what's not to like? And smiley faces. Oh, Br- smiley faces. Brilliant. Um, <laughs> we, we had uh, we had those at work for World Happiness Day. <laughs> yeah. True story. Um, awesome. Do you know what I've learned since the last show, John? Um, no. I've learned that I shouldn't drink beer and podcast. Oh, right. Because listening back to it, I literally sounded like I was full of gas. It was like, <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> all the way through. So I've learned from my lesson. And this time around, I have a hot mug of tea in my, in my light-up Star Wars lightsaber mug. That despite telling my family never to put in a dishwasher, I keep finding in the dishwasher. Oh, nice. Yeah, lightsabers won't be lighting up much longer. Well, I, this is the second one. This is the second mug I've oh, had. No. The first one went through the dishwasher and the, all the, the, yeah, the outside detailing mm-hmm. all peeled off. Oh. Yeah, I was heartbroken. Um, but luckily, my colleague at work, um, who got me in Secret Santa last, uh, last year, yep, got me a, another one. As long as, as long with a load of other Star Wars stuff, she's really kind. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but not only do I have a hot cup of tea in a light-up Star Wars mug, I've also got half a Kit Kat Easter egg. Wow, bonus. Yeah, so I won't be gassy, but I will be eat, <laughs> eating chocolate. Um, I became the benefactor of a couple of Star Wars toys this week as well. Really? John. Yes. Um, the same colleague at my day job um, knows I love Star Wars. That's why she buys me lots of Star Wars stuff. And um, and there was uh, I work in, for anyone that doesn't know, um, I'm an accountant, but I work for Hilton, the hotel chain. And... Um, <clears throat> And one of the guests left these two Star Wars boxed sets um, on the reception desk and said, I don't want them. Can you throw them in the bin? <laughs> I, know, I know. And um, and, and this uh, lovely girl, um, I won't say her name because she probably wouldn't want me to, but um, um, lovely colleague that I work with, just really the nicest person. She was like, hmm, I'm not throwing those away. I know someone who loves Star Wars. Um, so she left them on my desk. Now, that, there are two identical, you know, packaged boxed, toys but um mm-hmm. i mean it's two toys in each box um but they are for i think from the like sort of the 80s or 90s um they are a princess leia collection princess leia and luke skywalker um which is pretty cool uh, absolutely pristine condition both boxed um kenner logo on them but um clearly a mattel product uh-huh. uh, no sorry not mattel hasbro even um so hasbro and i think they're like I looked them up. They're not worth a lot. Yeah, you know, they sell for about twelve or thirteen pounds online, but still pretty cool to have. Um, so I've I've got these. If you want one, I'll send them on to you. Well, they're, these are twelve-inch figures or something. No, nah, not twelve-inch. They're like the small ones. The uh, three three-inch figures. Yeah, and Luke looks like well, he looks like a hunchback, but <laughs> I think that's the clothing in the packaging more than anything. And I think this is post-crash, Luke. Because um, yeah, he had a car crash and smashed his face up, didn't he? Oh, he did. Yes, in real life. Yes. He doesn't look like my Return of the Jedi Luke so much, but uh, yeah. Anyway, uh, Princess Leia looks pretty good. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Cool stuff. Cool aside. Um, John, we we should probably get on with this show. People are not really bothered about our lives and probably more worried about um, <laughs> getting what, shout-outs. shout outs. <laughs> mostly shout outs. That seems to be. Um, but uh, also uh, the pop culture side of things. So. Um, uh, what what have you watched? And and it's not long, granted, since we recorded the last podcast because we lost one and we had to replace it with another one. But what have mm. you watched since the last time we um, spoke? Um, well, where should we start? Uh, let's start with Geostorm. Geostorm. Wow. <laughs> Did not see that coming. But in hindsight, you are a glutton for punishment. So why not? Well, it stars... Um... Gerard Butler and the, the missus wanted to watch it because it was starring said person. So we Gerard Butler. That's right. The man who can't keep an accent for very long. <laughs> <laughs> the Scottish keeps creeping back in. <laughs> you American? You sure? Okay, just mm. check. <laughs> so, what's the premise of Geostorm? Okay, so obviously uh, the world is heating up due to global warming and cooling in other areas. In case you didn't know, and. Um, the world gets together and launches this huge network of satellites that cover the entire globe. And the uh, the International Space Station gets upgraded and becomes even larger and becomes a control center for all these satellites. And what these satellites are able to do is literally control the weather. Hmm. But not in the sense that, oh, I think we'll have it hot here today and oh, we'll have it cold there tomorrow. It's in a sense that if a storm is coming, 
then the satellites in the area can fire down little pods of chemicals into the cloud to disperse the storm or um, just, yeah, just basically to keep the planet safe and keep all this mad weather at bay. But then um, there's an incident where uh, a small village in Afghanistan gets frozen to death, literally, sub-freezing sub temperatures. Oh, wow. And then uh, another accident, in quotes, happened and somewhere else gets a bit decimated. And they think that the, the satellites are going wrong at first. But of course, they, of course, <clears throat> there's more to it than that, as the film reveals. Lovely sound of a motorbike in the background there, John. Thank you. Adds <laughs> <laughs> to the atmosphere. Um, so, so I don't know what to say to that, John. <laughs> Geostorm sounds awful. Uh, is it awful? Um, I think you call it entertaining rubbish. Is it it's sort of awful. 2012 scale? Well, that, that leads me on to the... There's, um, you probably might recognise the names. Uh, there were two guys who used to work together a lot called Dean Devlin and Roland, em Roland Emmerich. Mm -hmm. I think first came to fame when they both... I think one more, one uh, Dean is more the writer-producer and Roland is usually the director. And they, they first came to light with Stargate. All right, yeah, which I uh, enjoyed a lot. Oh, yes. yes and, um, and then, um, I can't remember the exact... But then there, there's a common theme. They then did uh, Independence Day. Yeah. Um, and then there's 2012... Oh, there was, uh, was it the day after tomorrow as well? That was so. it, yes, the day after tomorrow. It seems to be a running theme about weather systems going wrong. Yeah. Or just, or just uh, indulging in some way to show off huge effect shots of entire cities laying to waste. Well, Geostorm, Roland Emmerich wasn't involved, but Dean Devlin was, and obviously it's all rubbed off on him. Mm. So he's gone, I'm going to direct a film, and I think I'm going to make it about weather, and I'm going to have huge scenes of... Um, Cities being engulfed in huge tidal waves, and you go, oh, really? You just you've done all this before, haven't you? <laughs> what was that other crap film you watched with um, the rock in it? It was a weather thing. It was a big tidal wave or something. Oh God! Um, was like was that, was that an earthquake thing or something? Yeah, I think so. Because he plays a, he plays a uh, helicopter uh, rescue guy, doesn't he? San Andreas. Oh, that is it, San Andreas. Yeah, the earthquake. Oh man, and that involves involves yeah, lots of. Huge shots of citywide destruction. So let me ask you this. Mm -hmm. Having seen 2012 and the day after tomorrow and 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 the awful San Andreas, um, <laughs> why on earth did you watch Geostorm? <laughs> because the missus wanted to because Gerard Butler was in it. Okay. Have you had, a, <laughs> have you had any kind of sit down or intervention with your wife? Okay. I was intrigued. I was intrigued. I felt like, you know, I've seen the trailer. I thought, yeah, I'll give it a go myself. Other Gerard Butler films are available. Oh, um, yes. We've watched recently um, Wong Yen Well, there's the ones we plays the guy who protects the president. Oh, uh, London uh, Fallen and. Olympus has fallen and, and London has fallen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw those two I think, late last year. It's like, why are we doing this to ourselves? <laughs> so, Gerard Butler's um, presence and, and fame really baffles me somewhat. Um, you know, I quite enjoyed 300, which of course he was, you know, he was quite key. Yeah, in. front and centre, yeah. Um, but it, it wasn't really, you know, historically correct. <laughs> I mean, certainly not, <laughs> certainly not historically correct. Loose well, it's, literally, it's an adaptation literally of a graphic novel, isn't it? More than a historical document. It, exactly. But, um, you know, as a spectacle, as a, as a, you know, a piece of art, it, it, it's worth a watch, but um, certainly not. Zach, Zach Snyder discovering the slow motion button. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But um, Gerald Butler's appeal really does baffle me. I mean, is he, <laughs> is he, I mean, maybe, I guess I'm missing the female perspective. Maybe, maybe I'm not into, you know, hairy chests and 
<laughs> and, and and big big muscles but uh, i guess yeah it baffles me because i don't think of him as a really good actor <laughs> and that's really what i'm looking for in a film i don't know call me weird but um yeah okay but the missus was disappointed as well because he had his clothes on all through the movie so she was disappointed <laughs> not, not even a wet t-shirt in that there must have been sure um no, no, because uh, he spends most... Yeah, in fact, after the initial introduction, Gerard spends the rest of his time on the International Space Station, so hmm. there's no reason for him to disrobe in any manner. <laughs> oh, shame. Okay, never mind. Hmm, okay. Well, keeping it with a water theme, not that we were, but I just, <laughs> I just mentioned water. <laughs> um, segue, yeah. Segue, yeah. <laughs> um, I went and saw The Shape of Water. Oh yes, mm, as as promised in the last show. Yeah, I'm faithful to my word. And um, wow, what an amazing film! What a fantastic film! Um, like I said, when it first it first came out in cinemas here in the UK, sort of in January time, early January, mm-hmm. just just ahead of the uh, award season before the Golden Globes and then the Academy Awards, where obviously it did very well. And even you know back then, from the first time I saw a trailer, I desperately wanted to see it. And uh, I didn't get around to seeing it. I, you know, I did mention it to, to my wife. I was like, I really want to go and see this film. And then it was too late. It, it left cinemas. And I was like, oh, gutted. Yeah, I really wanted to see that. Um, but I didn't realise at the time that it then would have a cinematic release, albeit in February here. Um, but mm. it's had a long run due to its success in the Oscars and the Golden Globes and and what have you. And um, uh, it, you know, it's, it's Guillermo del Toro. Um, directing who's a bit hit and miss for me um I, you know, well documented i i love things like pan's labyrinth um hellboy is great um i really hated pacific rim <laughs> and, and it's just like such a stark contrast in style um from what he, of, of what he's capable of um but uh, anyway i'm glad to say that the shape of water is a return to form for him f- from my perspective i know you're a fan of pacific rim you like big robots yes. But then I didn't like his um, what's that Victoria's Victorian ghost story one he did with mm. Tom Edwiston. Oh, um, kind of his name. I didn't like. I didn't like. It, it looked nice, but it was, it was rubbish. <laughs> I got to be honest. I have no idea. I can't. I can't remember. Fair I don't think I've ever seen it. Um, but yeah, it's sort of set. I think it must be like sort of fifties, sixties time. It's set. Um, it's very quaint. the The actress, the lead actress, whose name I don't know, um, is is really charming um, as a mute woman. Uh, it's, it's just a really lovely story and so different, so strange. Um, you know, nothing you've seen before um, about effectively a cleaning lady who falls in love with a fish man <laughs> and his penis. <laughs> don't, don't stop. <laughs> and um, it, it, they do reference his penis in it, to be fair. It's it's not just my infa- infatuation, um, and you know I know everyone's seen that Amazon review that's going around. It's like you don't see the fish pe- fish man's penis not even once, but they do reference it in the film. Um, right. But um, yeah, it's just a really lovely story, and Michael Shannon plays as always a bad guy in it, and um, he's absolutely superb as as the bad guy. Um, really quite gross, um, and yeah, just a really lovely story. I don't want to give too much away um, because it, it it's just I don't know. It's just such a a lovely story like where not a lot sort of not a lot happens but there are lots of mm-hmm. magical moments along the way and and it involves russian spies and you know very topical <laughs> so uh, yeah very very good i mean effectively they want to 
dissect or, or you know experiment on the fish man that they found in the Amazon jungle, who where he was revered mm. as a god, and uh, it, to to progress the space race, and and um, they're they're trying to get in, into space before Russia, um, you know, a manned mission, and uh, because this um, creature has the ability to breathe both in water and in air. They think that they can adapt those abilities for space travel uh, and maybe oh. genetically modify a human or you know, learn something from that to enable America to do to achieve that first. And Russia want to steal the, the, the fish guy um, because they want to do the same. You know, they, it's, it's a race uh, into space between the two superpowers of the time um, during the Cold War era. Um, so that's the basic premise. But obviously this woman falls in love with the fish man. And uh, and the, you know, she formulates a plan to try and get him out of the facility he's held him. So um, that's that's the core basis, and it deals with a lot of different subjects. Um, not not just you know the way that they treat you know the fish man who doesn't really have a name, um, other than fish man, <laughs> and and, um, and it also tackles homosexuality during those times as well, and just just the way people are treated differently um, in society. Um, so yeah, lots of lovely little touches, lots of lovely little subplots as well going on in that. So I, I thoroughly, thoroughly, thoroughly recommend it. I wish I'd caught it earlier, and I would have written a review if it was more, um, you're more in time. If if I'd been a little bit earlier with it, but mm. I, I thoroughly recommend that. So yeah, the shape of water, thumbs up. Wow, I really want to see that. One. I completely forgot about that, to be honest. Mm. What about you, John? Anything else? That I'm curious. Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, I know. I know to pick next now. One we could both do together. Because I'm sure you watched it. I, I knew this one was coming up. We haven't we haven't talked about this, but I know what film you're talking about. And I um, think uh, uh, does Craig Craig said he watched it as well. Is Craig, it Craig? Craig watched it and really enjoyed yeah. it. Yeah, he he said he he watched uh, Mute and really enjoyed that. And, oh yes. And he watched this film, which I only watched last night, so it's fresh. Oh, okay. Fresh. And the film is. <laughs> Annihilation. Absolutely, I knew you'd watch that. Yeah, we we seem to be <laughs> we, we've synchronized three times in a row, and um, albeit one of them lost. But um, yeah, so the Cloverfield paradox, and I've oh, discovered yeah. that um, Ten Cloverfield Lane is now on Netflix as well, so I can watch that. Ah. So I'm going to watch that uh, probably before the next show. Um, then we watched Mute, and now we've watched Annihilation. Indeed. So again for. Yeah, we, we sort of recapped it last time. Do you know what? I was gassy from the beer last time. I've, yes. I've just <laughs> I've just finished that half of an Easter egg. <laughs> oh, God. So, um, so Annihilation, yeah. I, I watched it, like I say, last night. And, um, oh, yeah, to recap, um, it received a cinematic release in the US, but mm. um, it went straight to Netflix in the UK. Um, I'm not sure why. I can't, can't figure out why, but I'm glad it did because... Um, yeah, I wasn't. It, it would have looked great in a cinema, I think. Do, do you agree? It's it, it looks really nice. It's a really nice looking oh, film. Oh yes, yeah, visually a very nice film. Yeah. I mean, the the colours, the hues, sort of the rainbow effects of the shimmer. Um, it looks looks really nice cinematically. Um, it's really well framed. Some of the shots are, are, are beautifully you know put together, and it would have looked amazing in the cinema. Um, but I wasn't sad that I didn't see it in a cinema. I, I enjoyed watching it at home. Um, in it, I, you know, I had the lights off, dark room watched it very atmospheric um wife wouldn't watch it because um scary bits potentially and okay. uh, and um so yeah so i watched it on my own and i thoroughly enjoyed it i don't know about you john um... oh no <laughs> what i don't know I, I think i was just i was a bit meh oh okay um right. well basically 
Yeah, basic premise of the of the film is that there's this well there's something crashes into the earth near a lighthouse i'm not sure of the significance of that but um near a lighthouse and um and and this kind of shimmering field like almost yeah force field isn't it almost yeah semi-transparent force field it sort of looks like yeah when you have a bubble in 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 the in the like you blow a bubble like the washing up liquid bubble and the sun catches it. There's sort of like an oily film to it, like petrol mm-hmm. in in yeah. water. That that sort of shimmer to it. Um, and they call it the shimmer in the film. And it and it sort of it sort of engulfs this area, like covered covered in part by ocean and, and the landmass. And it's growing. It's essentially it's getting bigger. Mm. And they send research teams in. They've sent drones in. No radio waves come out, so they can never communicate with anyone that's gone in. And people inside can't communicate with them, and um, and none of the research teams that go in ever make their way out, except no. for except for one, um, and it happens to be it's Oscar Isaac um, playing the playing the the character, and um, and he's the husband of Natalie Portman's character Lena, who's who's like the main you know and uh, protagonist in in the film. And um, he comes back, but he's he's not the same. He's he's not like, you know he's he's suffering huge damage to his internal organs. Um, he's bleeding from the mouth. He's really not well. He, they take him to this uh, facility, uh, military facility near the Shimmer, and she's there. And, and she's an ex-soldier and also a biologist, which is a happy coincidence. And um, and she decides that you know there's nothing she can do for her husband outside the Shimmer. The only way she might be able to find out how to help him is to go in and so she joins a team uh, that there's there different scientific ex- areas of expertise, but it's basically a, a five-woman team that goes in, and um, and uh, and they go in to investigate, to get research, to to try and figure out what's going on, and try to get back out again. But as soon as they get in, obviously they lose contact with the outside world, uh, their compass doesn't work, and they have to figure out a way to navigate and to make their way back out as well as going past this lighthouse and gathering research. I mean, that's effectively the premise. Yeah. (laughs) Kind of of the whole, well, it's a synopsis there. (laughs) But, um, but obviously when they're inside, things go wrong and, um, and the wildlife is being changed and everything is being changed in there. All of its DNA is being altered. Now Mm. I thought it was fascinating. I really enjoyed seeing the different animals and, and, um, there was like these eerie human-like plants. That, that, oh yeah. I mean that. I mean, just there was one in particular. I don't know why. Of all the plant people that were there, there was one in particular that quite freaked me out. Um, it, it really looked like a man, but made of a plant. Um, but yeah, so I, I was really enthralled by it. I loved the the weirdness of it. Um, like you know what was going on, the the scare and the tension and the and the anxiety of what's going to happen next. You know, th- things don't go well. There is a little bit of violence in it, um, some of it a little bit graphic, but not an awful lot. And um, I-, I thought Natalie Portman was really strong as the lead character, and it made me think that I could definitely see her leading an alien film. I don't know why, but I just put that together. Yeah. I thought she looked really good um, in the role. But you you did you didn't feel the same. What 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 turned you off? Um, I think it's basically the ending. I think I agree with you. I mean, it was it was it was uh, <clears throat> a wonderful film visually to look at. That the, the uh, there's, 
two, I think two of the scary, well, one wasn't, when they watched the footage on the re, uh, discovered camcorder, that was really quite creepy. That was creepy, yeah, yeah. Uh, I won't go into details for spoiler reasons. And also the main, I suppose you'd call it the main creature attack of the film. Yeah, that was especially creepy considering what's been happening to everything in that environment. I won't yeah. say anymore. Yeah, that was really unnerving. Um, and I really enjoyed. It. In fact, I, I did put it out on, on Twitter. There's a PS4 game called The Last of Us where the, you, the two main characters wander through an apocalyptic um, future, and it's very much the same as that. It's sort of overgrown buildings, and, mm. and I was really enjoying it. And it got to the end, and. Uh, yeah, well, I mean, it, it certainly does go into a, a graphical, a graphical Amiga demo from the nineties, and then that's <laughs> it. So, <laughs> it's just... It certainly does go off on a tangent, and and a very you know, very sharp tangent. That the end of the film is 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 very much like out of character with the rest of the film. That mm. certainly the journey is much more enjoyable than the conclusion. But I, I don't know. It made it did. It made me think. I sat and you know for about ten minutes afterwards and just mulled it over. And it did make me think. You know, what did it all mean? And and I think I understand. And it's not something that we'll go into because again, spoilers. Um, but I, I did kind of understand what what happened at the end, as weird as it was. Um, but you're right. I mean, in terms of the the graphics, it all went a little bit lawnmower man in a way. <laughs> That's one way to it. Yeah. It's um. It it was a bit strange. Like the. The I mean that may be that may be the reason why it didn't get a worldwide theatrical release. Apparently, uh, was it was it Paramount again? Um, I um, don't know. They, uh, I, whichever studio it was, apparently they watched it and they went, "Yeah, we'd like it to a degree, but we want to make some changes." And the producer and the director basically put their foot down and said, "No, you're not yeah. touching it. We like this is how we want it." Uh-huh. I think that's part of the reason why the uh, I think it's Paramount decided it was a bit too intellectual for. A standard cinema audience and that's why they sold it off to netflix right it make the, the you know the, the box office return they were hoping for well it's um alex garland who wrote and directed isn't it yes yeah the guy as we said in the last show who did ex machina um which again was another sort of dark sci-fi you know story um with a with a bit of a twist in the tale as well um so i i don't know i i, I enjoyed it i i know it was a bit weird at the end but um I, I i enjoyed it i thought you know it gave me a lot to think about a lot to mull over and and there's potential for another you know a, a sequel definitely to come afterwards just just because of the way it was ended the way it, way it was left so mm. I, I don't know whether they had that in mind i presume so but um yeah i don't i don't know whether that's you know we'll see more from annihilation but uh, for a Netflix film, I thought, you know, actually pretty damn good. Have you watched anything else, John? I saw Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle. Okay, that's supposed to be quite good. It is. Which it's su- absolutely fantastic. Su- really enjoyed it. Surprised me immensely. Um, you know, again, Dwayne The Rock Johnson's in it, isn't he? Mm-hmm, yeah. Um, and Jack Black. Yeah, Jack Black, Kevin Hart, and... Oh, I've forgotten the name. Uh, Ke- uh, uh, yeah, Karen. Uh, no, Gillen. Gillen. Karen Gillen. Something like that. Yeah. One, the one who's in Doctor Who. Then she's in. Um, she plays Guardians in of the Galaxy. Nebula in Guardians Nebula, of the Galaxy. That's it. Yes, Karen Gillen. That's it. I think. Yeah. 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 So um, I was wondering, was it was it a reboot? Is it a reimagining? It's it's actually almost it's pretty much a direct sequel to the original Jumanji. Um, 
So it literally starts off with the, with the original ends with a guy, the kid finds the board game bare, half buried on a beach. Hmm. And he picks it up and takes it away. Um, he then goes to, uh, he's, in, he's in his bedroom, he tries playing the game on his own, and then of course he, he vanishes and no one knows where he's gone. And then the game turns up in the basement of a school and these four kids, like um, there's a nerd, a jock, um, a sort of, not a nerdy girl, but someone who keeps to herself, mm. and the um, like the, the the it girl, the popular girl. She's always like taking selfies of herself, and she thinks she's above everyone else. Classic they combo, all, yeah. Yes, they've all got detention, and um, the Jumanji game, being sort of a, a magical thing in its own right, turns itself into a console with four <sighs> controllers. Uh-huh. And so they <laughs> they plug the game in and they start it, and it's like, oh, pick a character. So they all pick characters just purely based because it's like a a 90s based on a 90s game system there's no pictures just names they all pick what names they think are cool they then get transported into the world of jumanji and that's where the fun starts because the way the four actors portray it you can really see the kids coming through mm. so like the nerdy kid is is, is dwayne johnson mm. and he's like he's surprised at his muscles you know, he's like look at my muscles bloody hell and like <laughs> and um uh, the girl who's always taking selfies becomes Jack Black. So she's. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and of course, the, the adventure starts there. And it's just, it, it's, it's a, a lot of fun. It really is. I don't think the trailers did it justice because, you know, I, I, saw, the, I saw the trailers. And I was just. I mean, I'll be honest, I haven't seen the original Jumanji, which I know is a little bit of a, a faux pas. A bit of a, <laughs> it's okay. Yeah, Robin Williams starred in that, didn't he? He did, yes, and uh, and and again, that's supposed to be a bit of a classic movie now. Uh, it's one one that I should, you know, I should watch. Probably sit down with my girls and watch. Um, so I, I I didn't really have a reference point for a, a, this new Jumanji, but when I saw it, it was like a video game, and and I saw the trailer, and I just thought, oh, this looks like it looks shit, really. <laughs> but um, then I saw the reviews, and and the reviews said, yeah, actually, it's pretty good. It is. It's surprised a lot better than I was expecting. So I thought it was going to be quite rubbish. Mm. But it is a, a great, uh, funny action movie. Wow! Celebrating its fiftieth year, two thousand and one, A Space Odyssey. Can you believe that, John? Fifty years. Fifty years, and I don't think I've ever watched it all the way through. <laughs> you know, you need to set aside a couple of days to watch it. To be fair, <laughs> I think the last time I watched it, it was on. Uh, oh, I must have been in my in my late teens, maybe early twenties. It would have been on Channel Four about nine ten o'clock at night, and I think I would have fallen. Yeah, I think I fell asleep. It is a very <laughs> very slow paced film. It's one you really need to have a nap before you watch. <laughs> but it's a classic. It is. Oh yes, can't deny that. It is good, and and um, you know, very much a different tone to what we see these days. But it did set the mold. And and changed the way um, cinema and film um, makers looked at science fiction. You know, it it really broke the mold and and um, and raised the bar. So, uh, what the fuck is that? Is it more more noise. Um, I don't know where that come from. I heard it in my end as well. Anyway, we'll carry on. Um, so yeah, very much set the mold for for modern science fiction, and uh, applauded for its. Um, very realistic vision of, of how humans would behave in space um, and still looks it looks pretty amazing to, to this day I mean a restored version um, there is going to be the original seven well a reproduction of the original 70 millimeter showing in cinemas 
Um, but uh, I, I don't think I'll bother with that. <laughs> <laughs> it's the sort of film I'll watch on a Sunday afternoon, you know, and um, and, and and sort of fall asleep to. But uh, yeah, yeah. I did read recently. I think um, director Christopher Nolan has taken a copy to the Cannes Film Festival this year to put it on show. Yeah, well, I think that might be where it's going to debut this seventy millimeter um, original, you know, untouched version. Um, so as it was when it originally premiered. 50 years ago or you know just a couple of days ago mm-hmm. uh, april the 2nd it had its premiere um, but it's amazing to think that you know that that film and and the book i didn't know this but the book was written concurrently with the screenplay um so really? Ar- that. you know classic sci-fi author arthur c clark and stanley kubrick um you know wrote and directed well, Stanley Kubrick directed, but um, Arthur C. Clarke and Stanley Kubrick wrote the screenplay for 2001 A Space Odyssey. And as they were writing the film, Arthur C. Clarke was writing the book as well. So a novelization of the of the film, effectively, yeah. um, which came out just after the film hit cinemas. So the book is actually ever so slightly younger than the film. And I always thought the film was based on the book. That's what um, I always assumed. But in a way, it kind of it, it's based on a short story that Arthur C. Clarke wrote. So, um, yeah, I found that out uh, this week while I was doing a little bit of research into it. Um, so, yeah, that's interesting. I do remember this sequel, 2010, is a lot easier to watch, but probably not as amazing. <laughs> yeah, what is that fucking sound? Um, yeah, so 2010, I don't remember a lot about it, to be honest. Um, I haven't, you know, I haven't watched 2010 as many times as I've tried to watch 2001. <laughs> uh, maybe. I just remember it's, uh, it's Roy Schneider. Mm. on a spaceship i think the spaceship's made up of um different astronauts from different parts of the world there's obviously the tensions from on earth get carried up into the spaceship mm. i can't remember i think it involves finding another monolith or something i can't that's what i remember okay. but i remember it's, it's easy to watch a bit easy to understand <laughs> mm. do you remember sequest dsv I did. I don't think I managed the first episode. Or if I did, I watched the first one and went, oh, God, that's enough of that. <laughs> that was Roy Snyder, wasn't it? It was. And a, a, a dolphin. <laughs> a dolphin. <laughs> a boy who was friends with a dolphin. and a dol- friends with dolphin. The dolphin could speak to people. It had like a translator box or something, didn't it? Yeah. I watched it, but I think just be- just for the sake of watching it, not because I enjoyed it necessarily. Um yeah. Did Spielberg have his hand in that as well or something? I think he was an executive producer. Or, or Which is what kind of pushed it up a bit, wasn't it? It's like, oh, Wischneider, Spielberg, this might be good. Yeah, how disappointed but, we were. Yes. And it actually lasted several seasons as well, so somebody must have been watching it. Hmm. I think that's going to celebrate a birthday this year, or may have already, and everybody just failed to acknowledge it. <laughs> that would surprise me. It must have been pretty bad. I mean, watching it now would be terrible, I'm sure. I'm sure there's a dedicated fan and based somewhere desperately pleading for it to come out on blu-ray i expect so yeah <laughs> cool right uh, shall we shall we move on from film or do you want to have you got more to i've got several more i could pick from it uh no, i could change to uh that's something i mean to discuss several podcasts I, mean, I, I actually read artemis as well oh you read it i read artemis and what did you think i enjoyed the story a lot i didn't like the way the main character kept talking to you while you were reading it right so sort of breaking the fourth wall so to speak yeah i didn't i didn't mind breaking the fourth wall it's just what she kept saying mm. um sort of things like well i'm not a slut and you know that and you know just kind of mm. comments to the side like that all the way through it's just like 
shut up. I'm enjoying the story more than I'm enjoying your thoughts. Just get on with it. <laughs> so to give some context to this, for the listeners that may not know oh, yes. what we're talking about, Artemis <laughs> is the follow-up book from author Andy Weir, who wrote The Martian, which, mm. was, which was a fantastic book and also a fantastic film. And um, the fourth wall breaking worked really well in that because he was kind of writing a journal or keeping a journal and, and talking to himself. Yeah. Where Artemis falls down, and it's based on the moon, so a little bit closer to home. It's basically a colony on the moon. And the, the colony's been there now so long that there's literally the first generation of people who have only ever lived on the moon are living there. And um, it has a hierarchy. It has different domes and and different areas and you know the rich people live in one area and the poor people live in very small quarters in other areas and um the main character whose name i can't remember at this point um is is uh, one of the poorer people and her dad works really hard she's always been a bit of a slacker and a bit of a letdown and um, and continue, yeah. continues to be so um and then she's hired uh, for a, a bit of a heist a bit of a sabotage mission um by somebody who she's a bit she smuggles things in kind of on the down low um because her job allows her to to distribute these goods um fairly easily and she's got somebody down on earth who helps her so uh, a partner so to speak Mm. and um one of the people that she supplies with um yeah, bearing in mind they're living in the vacuums of space and and in pressurized (laughs) bubbles and she supplies uh, cuban cigars to to one of these guys and um, he hires her for this sabotage mission with, with a, a grander scheme behind it. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I like, I like, I quite like the writing style, and the story's easy enough to follow. But it, it's, it was full of a lot of happy coincidences. <laughs> she, you know, she just happens to be good at, you know, welding, for example, and um, you know, just that's, ha- yeah, that's a character, wasn't it? She's, she's a bright, intelligent. Uh, girl wasn't it yeah yeah bright, intelli- bright intelligent girl who'd be capable of doing so much more but Perenni- was there something that was there something that knocked her down a peg or two and she never got worked her way back up i can't remember um she's, she's capable of so much more but she decides just to take that sort of easy job in the loading docks or whatever doesn't she yeah a bit of a perennial underachiever um i don't recall to be honest it's been a while since i read it oh yeah <laughs> but um yeah i mean it it was an all right book it passes the time but I didn't like the writing style. I didn't think the the f- sort of first person point of view and uh, uh, really in some uh, the, the fourth wall breaking really worked in this book in this context, and and uh, yeah, there were like I say there were far too many like happy coincidences where things just worked out. <laughs> um, there are some moments of tension and drama that that you know had me you know, turn in the page, but for the most part, I didn't really enjoy it that much. Okay. Um, oh, keep keep it with a book theme. Um, I, I I finished my uh, book a month February edition, um, which I've reviewed already on the website. It's called The Echo by James Smith. I think it's Smith. Uh-huh. I never know how to pronounce S M Y T H E. Smythe. Is it is it, <laughs> is it Smythe or is it Smith? That's that's what I'm not sure about. So you got Smith's Toy Shop, which is spelt the same way, but yeah, it makes no sense. Anyway, him. Um, it's, it's a book called The Echo, and I didn't realise until I finished it um, that it's um, it's a sequel to a book called The Explorer. Oh. Um, it's kind of it's not it's not very hard to hard. It's quite simple writing. The writing style's 
very easily accessible. You're right. You're falling yeah, off. so it's, knock, it's knocking the table, sorry. I thought you've fallen off your chair or something. <laughs> um, it's a very easily accessible writing style, and it's all written in the first person. And it's, a, you know, as I explained last time, it's about a guy uh, or t- a set of twins that are project managing a mission to the far reaches of space where there's an anomaly and um, 20 years earlier, another spacecraft had disappeared. Now, I didn't know that the, the spacecraft that disappeared is the subject matter of the prequel book, like the one that came before it. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not actually a prequel if it was written first, is it? It's uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> the original story. The first book, <laughs> the, the Explorer. So it actually tells that story. And then this is, is the sequel to that. I didn't realize. So I might go back and read the Explorer. Um, and so they get to the anomaly and um, it all seems like a fairly standard sci-fi exploration story. Um, but until they get to the anomaly, when it suddenly goes batshit dark and and really quite grim, as almost sort of um, Event Horizon-ish elements to it. It's a bit you know, horror mm. uh, where once you're in the anomaly, you can't escape the anomaly unless you're dead. And you can only escape the anomaly if you're dead. If you're pushed through the wall of the anomaly, you can't, you, know, you couldn't, I don't know, there's no way of escaping on your own. So if you die in the anomaly, you come back to life and you relive that death over and over ad infinitum mm. until somebody else can influence a change. So, for example, if you died and then that person who's living pushed you out of the anomaly, you would stay dead outside of the anomaly. So it gets really dark when they they discover this when two of the main, main characters die in in a sort of in an explosion of another spacecraft that they discover and one of them's still sort of alive but running out of air and they can't get into the anomaly because they'll be stuck and they can't get her out of the anomaly because she's alive and so she runs out of air and she dies and then she comes back alive and then she runs out of air and she dies. And this happens over and over and over. But And you think that would, might might be a bit monotonous. But the way it's written, it's actually, it, it, it handles it really well. And so they have this, this predicament. It's like, how do they get this person out? Or, you know, what do they go in? If they go in, they get stuck. And, and, and so it's a really, you know, it, it's, it, it presents a really hard predicament to be in. Um, and it's really fascinating. It's really, really good. Like I say, all told in the first person of one of the twins, this guy called Mirror. And um, and I thought he was going to have a real falling out with his brother, his twin brother, who's back on Earth. And he does in a way, but not, not in the way I expected. Um, but uh, again, it's another another story where the, the journey is far more enjoyable than the conclusion. So the, the conclusion ended really ambiguously. Did I say that right, Keith? I'm not sure. And um, and, and and you're a bit like, oh, I actually wanted something a bit more you know, substantial. I actually wanted a conclusion to the story. It doesn't give you that. But um, still, yeah. still pretty good book. I, I, I recommend it. I, I think, yeah, it's a good story and easy to read, short, short book to read. Speaking of books, um, something that's got me a, a little concerned recently, Ready Player One has, uh, has come out, hit the cinema, seems to be doing moderate level of success i suppose yep yep yeah um seen. i haven't seen it yet i would like to see it at some point so obviously we both read the book we enjoyed the book yeah i think i'm going on sunday to see it all ah, right okay cool yeah. um as you all know uh mr klein then sat down and <clears throat> so if you can call it call it wrote he produced <laughs> armada yeah sequel well not sequel, sequel but uh, uh, so yeah. a follow-up book um, um which which the rights were already sold off 
years ago, apparently. Mm. Um, after the rights for Ready Player One got sold off, he, people snapped onto his second book and he sold the rights off. And they've uh, they've got a screenwriter in to start writing a screenplay for it. And I'm thinking, oh, God, how can they turn this into a film? Yeah, apparently, <laughs> apparently they have, like, was it a first draft of the screenplay or something already completed now? All right, and I—I I mean, it—it's not a hard premise to to turn into a screenplay. I, it's really quite basic. The last Starfighter, mainly, but effectively, <laughs> yeah. I mean, given how complex the concept of Ready Player One is, and and how yeah, how many twists and turns there are to the story, and and it's it's just, you know, by comparison, Armada is very very basic. It's mm. it's very predictable, um, and just not particularly enjoyable it's it's basic <laughs> writing it, it, it's it's a poor follow-up and it always almost makes me feel like he's just gone back to something he's written before in order to get a book out fairly quickly and ride the coattails of ready player one um but at, at the same time yeah maybe a film adaptation would be better than the book uh, it, it certainly couldn't be worse you know it's fair no. <laughs> it, like, like you say it's basically the last Starf- starfighter um, as as a concept, as a premise, it shouldn't be that difficult to make it into a film, and it's just going to be like CG higher, heavy, you know, thing thing. It's just it's just a bit young. The writing is style. It's just it's quite young teenager story. And I'm, I mean, I don't know. I don't know if we discussed it in in this series of podcasts or the old version of the podcast. Uh, for me, it was the the constant. I don't really play one has pop culture references, but in Armada, they're just constant. Yeah, for no, for almost for no reason at times. They they do cram them in, and and the thing that I hated was that they gave it a soundtrack. It's a fucking book, <laughs> you know. I mean, and it's all, I oh, it's all seventies rock songs that his dad would have listened to, and you know, his dad's dying, so he clings onto any memory he can of his father, and and then oh, yeah, it's just really poor. But yeah. Actually, I quite like Ernest Klein in himself, like as a person. He seems to be living the dream. You know, he literally drives a DeLorean that looks Bit. like yeah. lo- looks like a time <laughs> machine, with a Ghostbusters logo on the side and the Knight Rider flashing lights on the front. I mean, he's literally just saying, "I fucking love pop culture," <laughs> and I don't care who knows it. And so, yeah. so yeah, he is living the dream. He was heavily involved in digging up all those ET Atari games. Um, he was key to that, and and yeah, he just seems to be having a really good time, you know, with his life. And why not? He wrote a fantastic book. It's been made into a film that's going to make him a shit bucket of money. <laughs> and 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 you know, right, he wrote a poor you know follow up book, but that's still going to make him a shitload of money because it's going to be a film. I mean, I, I mean, the guy's living the dream, isn't he? <laughs> I mean, pretty much, yeah. Yeah, it doesn't get much better than that. Two books and you're done. Simple. Yeah, it makes me wonder why we haven't written a book yet, John. <laughs> uh, pass. <laughs> uh, maybe because we're shit at it. Probably. Uh, probably. Um, one other piece of book news for me, and um, it's a book that I, I read as part of my book a month last year, when before it was book a month. Um, as my personal challenge, uh, I hadn't announced that I was doing it. Um, but I wrote. Uh, I read. A, I wrote. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> Uh, I read Write a, a book a month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I read uh, the fourth book 
or in a, in a series or in a universe setting um, from Anne Leckie. Um, she wrote a trilogy called the Ancillary Trilogy, which is hard to say. Ancillary <laughs> Trilogy. Um, starts with Ancillary Justice, which is the only science fiction book ever to win every major science fiction book award. So the oh. Hugo Award, the Arthur C. Clarke Award, uh, Nebula Award. It, it, like She won everything with this book. It's the only book to ever ever do it it's got a really shit cover which stopped (laughs) stopped me from reading it for ages um but when i finally picked it up i couldn't put it down and it's just absolutely amazing incredible world building experience um set set in you know far future far advanced alien life forms um no humans involved in it at all um all alien all alien cultures and it's the um it's the politics it's it's and like the main character his mission um and his story how he's evolved from basically being an ancillary soldier uh, part of an ai collective and uh, and has become a a singular being and has you know his own goals and morals and it follows his story maybe a she because um, she deals with you know um, know, sex and gender um very ambitious ambiguously can i use that word again sorry keith yeah <laughs> um but you know in, in certain cultures they refer to everybody as she and in some cultures uh, he is and she's and and the main character has trouble distinguishing gender um because where they're from they don't acknowledge gender so it it's it sounds hard to follow but actually you pick it up fairly quickly so i read ancillary justice which was amazing couldn't put it down um my wife read it again loved it plowed through it uh, I think she bought the second two in the trilogy, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, we, we we went through those. So it's Ancillary Sword and Ancillary Mercy, um, really fantastic books, which kind of brought to a close that main character's story. And then last year she bought out um, another book in the same universe, but it's more of a crime story um, called Provenance. Um, so set in the same universe, totally different characters, but um, similar, you know governments and and races involved you you you, if you've read the other books you recognize the uh, universe instantly you understand everything that's going on um she introduces her own grammar and and verbs and things to to the to mix things up a little bit but again it's it's stuff that you easily pick up um but anyway another fantastic book and i thoroughly thoroughly recommend it um it's by Anne lecky it's called provenance um but that has been also nominated for a hugo award the hugo awards have been um announced this week and um and she has a nomination so i just wanted to mention that it was a rather a long way of saying she got <laughs> got nominated for a hugo award but for for good reason she's a fantastic author and uh, yeah you should definitely if you like science fiction and you like books you should read her books um, she's she's really on top of the game. So yeah, wow. and uh, my next book a month, if anybody wants to read along, nobody will. It's called <laughs> it's called Walk Away. It's by Cory Doctorow, who is editor in chief at boingboing.net, If you know that website, um, sounds familiar. And also um, an author, yeah, a, a prolific author in his own right. So um, yeah, um, something that caught my eye, John, on the video yes. game side, and um, I've been playing a lot of Pokemon Go lately. Um, not just with my kids. I, I, I actually enjoy it as an adult. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I know your wife um, plays as well. Um, she does indeed. Yeah. So there are a lot of updates to Pokemon Go lately, but um, that's not where I'm going. Augmented reality really is the buzz around mobile gaming at the moment. Mm. We've got a lot of different ones coming out. We've got um, Harry Potter Wizards Unite, which is going to be like Pokemon Go with like beasts. Yeah. <laughs> 
Um, should have been a, a um, Fantastic Beasts game, really, but I guess that doesn't have the appeal that Harry Potter does. Um, then there's going to be the Jurassic World Alive one. Yeah, another one. Pokemon Go with dinosaurs. Um, and and there's a there's a number of different different ones coming out. There's a uh, Ghostbusters one, dress, uh, Pokemon Go with ghosts. Exactly, Pokemon Go with ghosts. <laughs> All of them, to be honest, have their appeal. Um, I know my kids are going to want to play the Harry Potter one when that comes out. Mm. Um, so anyway, uh, one that caught my eye, and it's not officially a game yet, but somebody who's developed it, somebody has made augmented reality Street Fighter Two, ah. which looks freaking amazing yeah you can <laughs> literally play street fighter 2 in the real world setting and, and you know have those characters fighting and literally people are walking through the battle through the middle of it you know you can play it in a crowd <laughs> um have you seen it online have you seen any of it no i've not i've, I've seen a, a couple of pictures i've not watched any videos it it just looks incredible and i know it's it's sort of early stages but if they can actually make that happen that's that's a really great concept and a really good use of augmented reality, which is a little bit different from you know the the, the staple that's coming out at the moment, like the, the, all the Pokemon Go sort of clones, if you like. Mm. Um, so I, I thought that was really fun. Uh, it looks looks very interesting. I mean, what that what that might be linked to is uh, something I read into for the the Ghostbusters Pokemon Go is Google have released new um, augmented reality tools for the more powerful phones in the market, which actually not just take into account what the camera sees, but what is physically in that picture. Mm, wow. So so characters aren't just placed literally on top of the image. The the software will try and place the, the, the character on a table to actually give the impression it's in the environment. Yeah, well, I mean, I've, I've seen it a little bit. I, I don't, with Pokemon Go, I don't use the sort of augmented reality aspect it seems like a waste of time to be honest on that game i mean it uses a battery a lot more and and yeah you know it it doesn't it hasn't always worked very well you know like something appears in the middle of the air and and you know it doesn't work that well it's a bit of a distraction um but they did introduce <laughs> um ar plus um which means that you can literally walk away from the pokemon and it gets yeah. smaller. You can walk around it, and and <laughs> and, and, and you know it, it keeps it like you say embedded in its environment, yeah. uh, and it's a lot more interesting, and it works a lot better. But uh, again, I turn it off because uh, you know I, I can't really be bothered with it. It's a gimmick, <laughs> um, but it is you know I, you know I have a I have a powerful I have the iPhone ten you know which is um, uh, capable of, of of handling that. You know, I think you have to have a certain iOS or, or a certain mm. amount. I don't know exactly what the specs are, um, but it, it is it is interesting, and certainly augmented reality has a lot of potential. Um, and we've seen how popular Pokemon Go has been, and and how popular a lot of these games are going to be. I think if the concept's good and and it's well executed, people will play it, and it, and it's fun. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I just thought I thought the Street Fighter Two thing was genius. I mean, yeah, you, I, I don't know how you would. I guess you, I mean you're watching it on your screen, so I guess it's no different to playing Street Fighter Two normally. But no. there's something nice about seeing the real world around it that that yeah that actually caught my attention. Um, so yeah, that's that's really that's all my gaming news for this this time. That's all right. Um, how about a bit of um, Lego news? Well, uh-huh. not Lego news as such. Something something I started investigating in, uh-huh. uh, and that's and that's the world of counterfeit Lego. Oh, wow. I didn't know such a thing existed. <laughs> yeah. Um, apparently, uh, mainly in China, 
Uh, I mean, as we all know, Lego is fairly pricey as a toy anyway. Mm. But um, in China, apparently, it's just a bit, it's just that little bit too pricey that most people can't afford it. And so several companies have sprung up to, to essentially counterfeit Lego sets. I mean, it makes sense, doesn't it? It can't be that hard oh, yeah. to do. <laughs> well, apparently, apparently Lego don't actually own the patent on the Lego bricks themselves anymore. No, patents expire after, was it 50 years or something? Or... Something like that, yeah. So it's not the um, it's not the actual bricks themselves that they're worried about copying. It's the actual the sets and the packaging and everything that comes with it. Right, yeah. Um, so as an example, one... Um, I uh, I've already got the Lego Ecto One, which is a, a lovely set, especially for a Ghostbusters fan. And I quite I'd quite like to get the um, the 2016 version of the Ecto One from the all female version of the film. Yeah. But that that retails for uh, forty five pounds from Lego. Yeah. Wow. I'm getting one from China. It's costing me thirteen quid. Wow. <laughs> and this um, is a counterfeit, but yeah, this is, this is, lo- looks yeah, the same. This is, uh, there are uh, the main the, from what well the two main telltale signs I've noticed so far from what I can see from pictures and the few videos available. Uh, two of the girls come with the right coloured hair, but it's the wrong style of hair. Mm-hmm. That's not a big deal. Um, also, apparently, they can't do transparent bricks as well as Lego can. Oh, right. So, so the, what normally the little clear square one stud bricks that they use for headlights are cloudy rather than clear. Do you know what, John? You could go to the Lego store and buy those for pittance, couldn't you? Well, that's what people. Some people do. They they um, they import these. Uh, I mean, the main the, the most well known company is called Lepin, L E P I N. Hmm. So they order these Lepin sets, and because they've come all the way from China, if there are bits missing, or they're not happy with some of the bits, uh, I think there's a famous website called Bricklink, which allows you to buy individual bricks. Hmm. So they'll simply order the missing parts. Um, a few more examples. Uh, the Ghostbusters um, fire station set is £249, mm-hmm. uh, 100 quid. Um, all the major, uh, the one that's really, really selling fast at the moment, the UCS Millennium Falcon, the £650. Wow. Yeah? Yeah. Nearly five, quid. was it five? 100 th- quid. 100 quid for the Chinese version. I mean, my concern would be that, <laughs> firstly, what are the instructions like? <laughs> uh, I've seen the instructions. They, um, that's the best way to describe it. You know, sometimes you print out like a PDF and you say, um, oh, rather than having a direct copy, can you print like two or four copies to one page? So it shrinks each page onto one A4 page. You've yeah. done that? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's what they do with the instructions. So rather than having a massive book with one instruction per page, they'll sim- they've simply scan the instructions in and reduce them down by about 75%, 50%. So you get three steps per page rather than one. <laughs> wow. Um, and also there's the obvious things that like um, one, one series, they're not called the Star Wars series, they're called Star Plan. <laughs> uh, another one is, it's just a... I, it's obviously just to try and get around the copyright. So Star Wars, it's Star Winners. It's W N I S. Wow, Charlie um, but, Charlie Sheen in the lead. <laughs> but um, even even the little like uh, you know how these Ultimate Collector sets have a, a little plaque that sits in front of the model. Yeah. If you've ever noticed. That. Yeah. Even they say like Star Plan or Star Winners on it. Oh, so um, I've already seen there's an eBay shop based in Denmark that actually 
copies them out and you know copies the official ones and offers you to sell you corrected ones right and people are saying until you actually get up close to these models you can't tell that they're not lego hmm. um i think one of the biggest uh, the, the biggest giveaway is the fact they don't have lego written on each of the studs they're just simply blank but most of the time that's hidden anyway on the better sets, isn't it? So you, you... Oh, yeah. I mean, unless you sort of actually pick up and look at them and go, oh, yeah, it's definitely Lego. But, yeah, this, I've just been going through, like, sort of the online shops and looking at all these different sets. It's like, oh, my God, that's peanuts compared to the official one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I've got I've got the uh, the counterfeit Ecto-1 coming over, and uh, hopefully I'm going to make a, a video review on that one at least. Mm. Well, looking forward to, to hearing how that goes together <laughs> uh, and how good, you know, how, how good the manufacturing is on that. Yeah. Um, on, on a similar vein, um, you know, you mentioned the Millennium Falcon with like, was it 5,000 bricks or something? Oh, yeah, the biggest set ever they've ever done so far, isn't it? Yeah. Well, and that's part, as you said, of the Star Wars Ultimate Collector Series. Um, they've just uh, announced, and I put it on the, the unheardnerd.com today, the, uh, there's a Y-Wing in the same series. Yes, I saw that. Yeah, lovely model. It looks amazing. Yeah, I'm not a big fan of the Y-Wing, really, from Star Wars. It's not my favourite ship. Um, bizarrely, TIE Interceptor, if anyone's interested. Oh. Um, yeah, and um, but um, it looks amazing. It looks like such a fun set to build. But 170 quid, like one penny short of 170 quid. I mean, I can't justify that. How many pieces is it? Is it to remember? Uh, it is around about 2,600, I think. God. So it's it's a big set, you know, it, mm. and it, it you know obviously uh, goes very well with the Millennium Falcon um, set if you've got that, if you can afford. <laughs> I mean, I, literally that that. Uh, pays more than my mortgage <laughs> in a month um that's crazy but uh yeah 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 uh, I, i've also seen for the millennium falcon um there's a company manufacturing a perspex stand for it so you can have it sort of standing at an angle and it looks right. it looks really nice for the millennium falcon but i bet the stand costs a fortune as well you probably yeah spend 150 quid on a stand for it too i don't know i've seen um uh the instructions are online to build it yourself uh, a whole a whole series of technic bits that basically create a stand so it will be a roughly sort of 20 30 degree lean right it'll stand but it'll stand upright on yeah. the side kind of thing it's it's amazing what people and it's all because it uses technic lego um it uses all those little black studs so it, it will actually snap onto the falcon it's gotcha. not resting it'll actually attach yeah okay sounds sounds like the these two stands achieve similar results just to look look different um yeah I've, have you been to the lego store in leicester square not yet no you, you can buy all the individual bricks there they have just have walls and walls of bricks where you really? can wow. you, you just buy them um but you just i remember they used to i remember they used to have um i mean our lego, local lego store which is the the blue water shopping one hmm. they, they've got a small wall of lego bricks but they used to offer um uh like a small model to build right. so you get you get a tub You'd get the instructions, and you have to go through the parts list in the in the instructions and pick them all out yourself, <laughs> which we did a couple of times. But that seems to have uh, seems to have stopped. It's quite fun. Um, yeah, I took the, I took my kids to the Leicester Square one one day, and uh, we just, we spent literally probably an hour, an hour and a half in there, and they were just building Lego. There's loads, <laughs> there's loads to play with there, and. Um, they still have that. Um, I've only seen it on the on the uh, the TV, but they had that machine that takes your picture and then makes it out of Lego bricks. Yes, they do have that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get the Lego portrait. Costs a fortune. Yeah, it's about 
Was it 60, 160? I can't remember. Oh, I'm not sure how much it cost. But <laughs> I didn't even entertain the idea. <laughs> but it is, it is a fun place to go. And um, also, uh, I hope this isn't spoiling anything, but um, I know you've just bought the Tron Legacy set. And, yes. And uh, they, they launched it um, at the Leicester Square one. And I, I believe it was it actually the Brick Brothers website that, that came up with the idea, the original idea for that set yes yes they submitted it to uh, lego ideas yeah yeah so they they were there signing the boxes of the of the sets there on their launch day i think it was on the 30 30th or 31st of march yeah the set, saturday yeah just mm. gone yeah so I, I was you know half tempted to go but i don't think i had time or there was something else going on yeah. um for whatever reason yes a busy easter weekend fa- <laughs> family to see shit like that um <laughs> and lots of easter eggs to pick up yeah there's a there's yeah got a whole array of different ones there got galaxy got maltesers lint bunny oh she's only chocolate for weeks now we've got enough of it <laughs> <laughs> i've been trying to pace myself and certainly not eat the kids but it's difficult <laughs> <laughs> but yeah so um yeah there we go so uh, are we allowed to talk about your secret lego project or we're we not allowed to talk about it no, talk about it if you want. Ah, okay. <laughs> so uh, you're you're coming up with a um, you're you're developing a, a YouTube uh, review series on, on Lego sets. Well, just primarily, yes. Uh, I'm I'm currently halfway through producing um, uh, a stilted review of the Tron Legacy set, which has just been released. Uh, I'm planning on doing um, one on the uh, the counterfeit Ecto One when that turns up. Mm-hmm. Um, Are you going to dismantle uh, your other sets and rebuild them? No. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're committed uh, to this, John. I've, I've already lost a piece off my uh, DeLorean. I don't know where that's gone. Oh, no. What piece uh, are you I've, missing? Uh, oh, if anyone's interested, it's um, it's a three-by-one uh, grey plate that's smooth. Okay. Um, <laughs> Do you know what, John? My, my comic shop is very... Well, it's just off Leicester Square. I, I may be able to pop in and get you a bit. <laughs> If anybody has one, they want to donate, feel free. Uh, I think I just come home one day and just like, oh, I caught Noah playing with your DeLorean. It's like, <laughs> my Lego is for display purposes only. Um, <laughs> your box of Lego is over there. <laughs> well, when we went to the Lego store, obviously I spent a fortune and I got a free kit. It was a Volks- right. Volkswagen Beetle. Um, oh, yeah. It's just a small one, not, not, not like the good one. And... Um, yeah, we came home and the kids were building their Lego and I, I built the Volkswagen Beetle, but that has disappeared long ago. Oh, no. <laughs> I know. It's been dismantled and it's it's probably now part of Lego Friends World. Which uh, for is, those uh, of you who do have, who do have children, um, I don't know if it's how well known this is, but the first Thursday of every month, Lego offer a free build. A free build? Really? So you go, you, yes, you go to, uh, go to the Lego shop and you can pick up a little baggie of Lego that makes... Uh, a complete item so we've had um, a dog uh, a sheep a fish a robot cool. and that's the first Thursday of every month and even if you miss that you can pop in afterwards and just ask nicely and say look I missed out on the free build have you got any left mm. um, the last time we went was just after we had all that snow in this country mm-hmm. and they were like yeah because of all the snow no one turned up we've got loads how many do you want <laughs> oh wow nice so it's a uh, Lots of spare Lego going free if you're lucky. Oh, cool! That's a good tip. Um, right. Well, I, I mean, 
Sounds like a nice way to end the show, John. I'm, I'm, it is. Positive I'm, note. <laughs> I'm, I'm feeling very relaxed and, you know, actually would quite like to build some Lego now. Um, <laughs> so I'm just off to spend 170 quid on a Y-Wing and then get, <laughs> get divorced when it turns out. <laughs> uh, I get requests from my youngest all the time. He's like, oh, yeah, you can build me an ATAT today, yeah? So, uh, well, I'll try with what we've got. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's very difficult for me to build anything cool with pink Lego, to be honest. <laughs> Which well, is... It's light blue. Is it sort of green, light blue and pink mostly, isn't it? Friends stuff. A lot of purple in there as well, yeah. Oh. <laughs> but it's all like uh, vanity set and, you know, like bedroom and uh, pop star set and all this. Oh, so. dear. Mm, yeah, never mind. <laughs> ah, so that's what you get for having girls, I suppose. <laughs> uh, bless, I wouldn't change it. Cool. Okay, John. Well, I think that's a show. It's a show. All right. Well, until next time, don't forget you can contact us on the Twitters. It's at the Unheard Nerd and at UK Film Nerd for John and at that nerd will for me if you specifically want to abuse either of us. <laughs> yeah, just the Unheard Nerd if you want to generically abuse us. Um, find us on Facebook. It's facebook.com forward slash the Unheard Nerd. Uh, you can email us at theunheardnerd at gmail.com and, of course, visit theunheardnerd.com for all your pop culture needs. Nerdy crap every almost every day on there, actually, 8 o'clock every morning, UK oh, time. And, uh, and don't forget, it would be a real favour if you're listening to this and you kind of enjoy what we're doing or if you're even giving us a 4 out of 10 review. Um, <laughs> just, just, just if you're subscribing on iTunes, just scroll to the bottom and just give us a star rating and if you're feeling extra generous just write a little review uh, and it really would help us get noticed by more people and uh, increase our, our listenership and then we can start putting adverts at the beginning it'll be worth it and uh, makes a little bit of money out of it and then you'll hate it because you have to listen to adverts um, <laughs> and then you'll stop listening so if you could do that that'd be fantastic um, yeah. and similarly if you're using Stitcher or any other podcast aggregator um, could you also please just drop us a review or give us a star rating? We'd really appreciate that. Okay, that's the uh, that's the promotion of it done. Uh, John, it's been a pleasure. As always. Time to go brick it and build some Lego or something. <laughs> if I wasn't at work, I probably would. Uh, yeah, that was a really shit ending. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> oh, no, I forgot to press record. Name feelings, first name I've got So many ready for any 20 minute time slot Throw your confetti, I'm rolling heavy on a broadwalk Shining light on societal blind spots Call the vice squad, call the night's watch on me I'm a half black rapper, half white walker zombie I know you never heard a tribe wanting Rocky But you're gonna wanna have us on your iPod promptly Went against the grain and they portrayed me as a rebel I don't wanna change the game, I wanna play a different level And this beat is so goddamn dope, no joke I almost wish you could've stayed an instrumental I've been following a dream since barely 18 Suckers dare to compare like they're the same thing But if this was just another airbrain scheme Why am I flyer than an airplane wing? And we jump like we never had to walk on solid ground And we rock like we don't know how to turn the volume down And we dance like we never wore a tux or ballroom gown You'll know when you see us Cause we work like we didn't have an ocean between us 
this form I was forged in a furnace And I only want your support when I've earned it So save your money till you're sure I deserve it Until then, download it, torrent and burn it I'm not concerned with Grammys or clout I'd rather hit the galaxy and read the salmon a doubt No friends, only fam is the chant that we shout Trying to make the world better and our families proud It's just a matter of time before we get to the top On the rise like Legos and Tetris blocks Stacking real hip-hop, electric pop, Celtic rock And anything else you got Throw it in the melting pot For a mixture of sacred ancient artifacts Blending indie rock guitars and early party raps Yeah, we're talented, but how do you market that? Just call it Malibu Shark Attack